Accrediting Excellence, the international authority for professional coaching and mentoring, proudly presents both sides of the coin. Imposter syndrome and negative self-talk. Most of us know what these feel like and how they can hold us back. So as coaches, how can we help both our clients and ourselves reprogram the negative voices in our heads for good? Today, we get some top tips. Welcome to Both Sides of the Coin, a podcast produced by the IAPC and M. We're a leading accreditation body and our aim is to increase public confidence and to raise industry standards by enforcing a rigorous accreditation process that ensures the quality of professional coaches and mentors. The podcast is aptly named Both Sides of the Coin because we talk to both a coach or mentor and one of their clients to explore both sides of the coaching mentoring intervention, what works and what doesn't. As the proverb says, iron sharpens iron. Before we get started, let me introduce myself. I'm Jenny Butter, your host and an accredited master coach, and I've been coaching for 12 years, mainly in the area of career transition and life coaching. Joining me today are Paul Benke and his client, Mary Sawley. Paul is an experienced life coach with a demonstrated history of helping those who let self-doubt and self-judgment hold them back. As a classical musician, Paul stumbled on his unique process that not only helped his performances, but also allowed him to tame the negative thought of his inner critic. Using this process, his clients find the freedom and confidence that they need to take actions that create real success. His client, Mary, is a musician based in St. Paul, Minnesota. Trained as a violinist, she spends her time teaching, conducting and performing. Her true passion is inspiring young musicians to find great joy and fun in creating, learning and performing music. She wanted coaching as she was looking to find a guilt-free work-life balance, as well as the organisational clarity to get started on some work projects that have been tucked away in a I'll get around to it later file. Welcome both of you. I'm going to start with Paul and then flip over the coin and speak with Mary. Paul, tell me about yourself. Well, thank you, Jenny. Yes. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, I spent a career in uh, as a classical musician for many years before transitioning into becoming a coach. And um, what appeared, I think, on the outside to be a drastic change from a performer to a coach, actually on the inside felt like a very small little adjustment in my own perspective of things. Um, I Really being an artist is so much about, well, uncovering and moving aside all the various issues that one has that really get in the way of being creative. Um, that's what I saw sort of my task as an artist. And of course, that's really what coaching is about. And so this is how I like to approach things now. So tell me, how did you find this process that you use with your clients? Well, as you mentioned, I sort of stumbled upon it. Um, there was an experience I had. I was playing a piece of music that um, I hadn't played in five years when all of a sudden um, some thoughts, thoughts of a girl that I'd had a crush on five years earlier, just suddenly re-entered my mind again. And I thought, what is this about? Why are these thoughts there? Long story short, I realized that while I had been learning that piece of music and practicing this very small part over and over, I had been thinking these thoughts. And five years later, when I came back to play those notes, all of a sudden those thoughts returned. And so I realized that 
we practice our thoughts, usually unconsciously. But I decided to make that process more conscious, to think, what are the thoughts that are going to support me in music making or in life? or in relationships, or in business building, or in whatever it is I'm doing. So sort of develop this method to think about what is that's really going on in my mind? What's underneath all those thoughts? Why am I thinking what I am? Are they helpful? What would be a better perspective? What better thoughts could I be thinking that would support? So tell me how you bring that into your coaching process with a client. Well, I've actually developed an online program uh, that takes people through four phases of this. Um, and that's really sort of what we're doing. But the main, the main thing about all the work I do, whether it's dealing with self-doubt or whether it's dealing with uh, finding what are the goals and the whys that I'm not accomplishing what I'm wanting to accomplish, it's really getting down to the underlying messages that we are telling ourselves about who we are, about how we relate to this world. And when we can uncover those and uncover the real motivations for why we are doing what we're doing, then all of a sudden awareness is greater. We have much greater choices. We get to the, the root of what's causing the current behavior that's in the way. And then we can look at that and make a decision about whether or not this is the direction that we want to go. So as coaches, then, what do we need to look for? What phrases or body language do we need to look for in our clients to start bringing this into our coaching process to help them find the freedom needed? So when I'm observing clients, uh, one of the things you can see is if they sort of sigh, take a breath, or the opposite, they suddenly get tense or tight. It's like, oh, what just happened for them? So I want to get curious about that. And I'll ask them, I just saw this. What was going on for you? It helps bring awareness to them about what's happening for them. Um, and in terms of how we get to the bottom of the thoughts, one of my favorite questions is, well, what's the payoff to you for believing what you're believing? Often they'll say, well, there, there, there is no payoff. This is just costing me something. But if there wasn't some sort of payoff somewhere, they wouldn't continue to think it. So if we can figure out what's really underneath, what's really going on for them, then that opens up other possibilities. Say one of our clients has one of these negative thoughts, or we do ourselves, what questions do we need to then start asking to probe to get to the bottom of what the cause is? Great question. So that's really sort of the second part or second phase of this method that I use with my clients. And um, it is to get to the bottom, we sort of look at all, what are all the messages that I've been thinking? What are the messages that I hear around this particular situation? And um, I encourage my clients to sort of write down as many of those messages as you can. Spend some time doing that. And then we step back and read through all of these messages and see what sort of commonalities they have. What common thread seems to tie them together? What is, shall we say, the lie that's underneath all those surface level lies? And when we get down to the bottom, then we get down to something that's really important, really useful. Um, I can actually share an experience from my own life of how this happens. There was a time when I was feeling sort of unsupported, that I didn't have any help, that the weight of the world was on my shoulders, you know, the sort of poor, poor, pitiful me syndrome. And I started looking at that and I thought, well, these messages, they aren't actually true. I had plenty of evidence that I had lots of help, plenty of evidence that there were plenty of people in my life who supported me. 
this felt better to realize that. And so I could uncover that level of lies, but I thought this also feels a bit surface level, like there's still something going on. So I kept digging, kept peeling away layer after layer after layer. And eventually I came to the realization that the lie I had been believing deep down was that I didn't deserve help or support. That felt like that got really to the core of me. This felt like this was gold, like now I have something to work with. And so those are sorts of the things we, we look at all the surface level things and find out what's underneath, what's tying them all together, what's not being said, what's being hidden by all those other surface level messages. So what's step three to move us on? The third phase is really uh, about creating an affirmation. And some people, of course, love affirmations. Some people have tried them and find them to be useless and effective, kind of a waste of time and energy. And for those who fall into that second camp, I would be willing to wager that uh, the affirmation that they were using, regardless of how powerful it was, it wasn't quite the right one. And so we want to come up with something that addresses that core lie that was uncovered in that second phase. And that also speaks to you in a way that is really supportive, encouraging, and frankly, even inspiring. Because then we're sort of opening ourselves up to a new way of thinking. So that's really the third part of that process. This is exciting. And so what's the final step? Well, the final part comes from my experience as a musician. you got to practice. You need to do this. We need to create a new habit in your mind. And the way to do that is to think things repeatedly. Um, that is really the key to doing it. How do you practice? Well, there are a lot of little tips and techniques that both Mary and I as musicians could fill you in on, on what makes effective, efficient practicing. Um, but the important thing is to practice, is to actually do that, to think these thoughts, to feel the emotions that, that come up with it. Um, when you do this often enough, you create neural networks that are stronger and you create this habit in your mind. And um, eventually this just sort of takes over the space of the old message, and now you've got a new belief. Paul, what happens if people go through this process and find themselves slipping backwards into those negative self-talk habits that they've had? Well, I think that means that they're human. Um, this is this is what happens. <laughs> Life is not um, clean, simple, and uh, tidy. It's a messy, complicated business, and um, we have had you know decades of practice with all sorts of negative messages that this voice has told us. And it's going to take a little time to uh, um, change this around. And that's why when I talk about this last phase of practicing, I say the best time to practice is when you think you don't need to, when you're not being challenged by these old messages. You see, at the beginning, we need it's like lifting weights. We need to begin um, practicing when it's easy, when the weights are light, so that we build up the strength, build up the mental habits. So that when those old messages do try to work their way back in, we've got some enough strength to withstand that. Super. The IAPCM is an accreditation body because we find professionalism and coaches to be very important. What are your thoughts on accreditation? Well, I think accreditation is a is a great thing. It um, first of all ensures that people who are out there doing coaching has the skills that are required. It puts uh, potential clients at ease knowing that, oh, I've got somebody who has been 
through some sort of accreditation process. There's some regulation here, um, you know, here here in the States, I'm guessing it's the same in Britain, but I'm not sure. Um, it's completely unregulated. And so the only thing you need to do to be a coach is to say you are one, which of course means there's a wide variety of skills and abilities out there. And that accreditation helps clarify who has the skills that are necessary. Thank you so much, Paul, for taking us through your process to help us bring that into our coaching practices. I'm going to turn over the coin now and speak to Mary. Thank you for joining me today, Mary. Why did you choose Paul to be your coach? I chose Paul because I I knew him and I was familiar that he had been doing coaching and was familiar with the musician's world. Um, musicians are kind of a breed of themselves in terms of putting their lifestyles or their um, making all the pieces fit together, um, especially when you're doing more than just performing, if you're teaching and doing other areas in the music world. So I knew that Paul was very familiar with that. And um, I just liked some of the emails and things that I had seen um, that he was doing in his work with his clients. So that's how I came to work with Paul. Please take me through the process working with Paul. I had a few sessions with him before we kind of got into the nitty gritty, just talking about what it was that I wanted to do and why I thought I wanted to do this. And um, just him getting to know a little bit more about why I was starting this process with him. And um, it turns out that I met with him probably was every other week, maybe, um, and just going through a lot of questions, giving me homework in terms of what I should be doing in reading. Um, and it was very interesting along the way um, because it seemed that every week there was a light bulb moment or every session there was a question that triggered something um, in terms of what I was asked to do or what the homework was and just learning more about who I really was. And, and the bottom line is I thought I wanted to do projects and what it really came down to was really finding out what my passions were. And so some of those some of those projects and paths that I thought I wanted to take weren't really important. And, um, my ultimate goal in in life is that music brings joy. And sometimes we forget as educators that that joy should be to ourselves. Um, we're so busy trying to create joy to those around us that we forget. And I think that was a really big light bulb moment for me that doing some of the things in my life, the good musical things were not priorities and we're not as joyful as other areas. So um, that that was very exciting. <laughs> um, Paul had talked about um, practicing and just like anything that you want to improve or change, you, you keep practicing and um, how true that is. And the, the I think one of the biggest takeaways with this was practicing my language you know, and, and how I'm not only talking to others, but how I'm talking to myself, you know, and getting rid of a lot of the judgmental language. And especially in my teaching and my conducting, 
we, we, there's so much judgment that we place on ourselves and others. And that, that has been really huge. It's, I still am very aware of that. I'm still very aware when I'm working with students and working with others and even them having now assessed themselves after they would play a passage using adjectives, no, no good or bad. How would you describe what you just heard? And, and I think that's for me, the exciting next step is that I can just as my as as I'm listening as a musician and working as a musician, that we can learn to be descriptive and not judgmental. And I think for young learners, that's really important. Um, one of the other things was, and it has to do with language, was how those judgments can place limits on us. And when you place limits on yourself, that's not really a good place to be. Um, then you're stuck in a, a mindset that sometimes isn't always the best for obviously for growth, but also for being content at what you do. And so placing limits, whether it is, um, for me, the big one was age, just saying, I can't do something because I'm such and such age, which is actually quite ridiculous. So um, that's been fun to discover and not be afraid to try some new things. Um, and that's, I'm, I'm still practicing. I'm still very aware of language. I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. Um, the judgment, getting rid of the judgments. And for me, that's very powerful. The fact that you went through the coaching, but you're still using it today. You're still practicing. You're still watching yourself, your language. Have other people noticed a difference in you since you've been having coaching with Paul? I'm not as stressed out. <laughs> I um, uh, I would have to say being an A, type A personality, I'm now a B minus. So I'm, I'm well below that. And, you know, a lot of things just don't really matter. A lot of things, it's okay. It's really okay. That's that's not important. And I, I don't need to invest any energy in that. That doesn't involve me. So um, it's been a very calm year with my studio teaching and even with my classroom teaching. Um, there's just um, energy is spent in more positive ways. And that's, I think when I see really productive things happen in the program, not only myself, but others notice, wow, things are really moving in a great direction, a positive, happy direction. That's wonderful. My final question for you, Mary, is based on your coaching experience with Paul, what would you say to other coaches so we can improve the way that we coach our clients? Keep asking the questions. Keep asking the, the questions that are really pertinent to what the client is working on right now, which seems rather basic, but it really got to the heart of the matter very quickly. And lots of listening, lots of listening to how I was trying to figure things out and still am learning. I had a very, very positive experience. It was, as I said, every week there seemed to be a light bulb moment and I'm still working and learning and I'm still enjoying this whole process. So I'm not sure that I would add more than keep asking questions and, and really listening. 
Thank you, Mary. And in fact, they're the most two powerful things I think we can do as coaches. Listen, observe body language and ask those pertinent questions to get to the root of the issue. Thank you so much, Paul and Mary. And if you want to find out more about Paul's four-step process, you can go to his website. That's Paul Benke, but I'll spell it for you because it isn't written as it sounds. It's Paul, B-O-E-H-N-K-E dot com. And his book can be bought at thoughtsondemand.org and his YouTube channel is youtube.com at Inner Critic Coach. We're confident that anyone who attains an international authority for professional coaching and mentoring accreditation will be amongst the very best that the profession has to offer. So if you're somebody who's interested in having some coaching or mentoring and want to find an accredited coach, mentor or training provider, or if you're a professional who's interested in becoming accredited, then please go to our website, coach-accreditation.services. And finally, if there's a topic that you would like me to cover on future episodes of Both Sides of the Coin, then I would love to hear from you. My email, jenny.podcast at coach-accreditation.services. Bye for now.